I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it is. I don't have a, I don't know the moment that it happened, but I've ever since then I've had a mm. neck tweak and nobody likes a neck tweak. Nope. It's not nearly as fun do as you, a nipple tweak. Do you need me to make you a old lady movie theater pillow? Like I carry with me back when I used to be able to go to the movies. I do remember that you have those. My Maybe. old lady lumbar pillow. Cause I get a lot of back pain in those theater seats. I can't it's, go see the IMAX, the, um, uh, yeah, the, the IMAX or whatever it is. It's, it's not so much the back. Those, it's yeah. it is like Those the neck feet. and my legs. I, I have like I've also just got like pretty hyperactive legs. I got. I did. I did notice that you were wiggling around a lot. It made it really hard to find your dick in the popcorn bag. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Luckily, I always make sure you find the D and the PB. <laughs> um, okay, I was butter and D, today. PB and D. <laughs> what were you thinking today? fruit trees in my backyard plums no longer no more plums i've got two apple trees and they're producing good apples this year oh. uh, maybe because i've been watering them faithfully oh uh, and i've got they got prefer like tomatoes relation yeah we got tomatoes we got beans we got peas uh the berries are over now but i could, <gasps> I could do this next year i was thinking i might have a new rule where i only eat them while they're still on the tree so like eating mm. a living screaming still attached to its mother apple okay so like eating it while it's hanging like yeah okay okay because i yeah. like my favorite thing to do is to go out and pick blackberries without a bucket just like go and the only blackberries i'm consuming are ones that i'm eating while i'm out there picking mm-hmm. it's like my favorite meditational activity yeah but i've never the end of my alley eaten it from the vine are you right it's like raw oysters yeah. do you feel like you need to like assert yourself as the alpha to the deer that come in and eat your food mm. if they see you eating like they do then they're going to be scared away from i mean what do you think i meant when i said i've been watering them faithfully <laughs> uh this conversation's dangerously close to him starting to talk about his birds <laughs> i had one bird i don't want to hear about your fucking birds the uh max higby center fall crawl thing is very cool. it's like 50 is bucks a beer it's $50 and you get a passport to all of the breweries in town and you go to them and they give you like four, two, four or five ounce tasters of a bunch of different beer. Like it, it, they all actually have two that they have that are for that. And you get two tasters. And so like Sam and I, it started just recently. It's 50 bucks for like the standard one and hundred for the deluxe, but like you get a free growler to have filled up anywhere. Um, and it's like, we went to the mead place down by that new park and like that new Colshan outdoor place down there that's all like shipping containers and then mm-hmm. went up to gruff and then went up to boundary and like some of them have like free food included if you like have this thing and they just like stamp it and it's super cool huh it's going for the next like week and a half pretty wow. cool thing to benefit max higby and um <clears throat> it'll get you drunk is this uh their april bruise day Basically. substitute yeah yeah that sounds kind of awesome and i'll bet that the do you buy beer at the breweries too I was tipping them, um, and then we got dinner at one of the places. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet, but... bet they sell a handful of beers with those. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that they make money. And I, I told Wine Walk, no, thank you. Yeah, I told. That's a good call. <laughs> yeah, that was always a 
pain in the ass pre-pandemic. Yeah. 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 I'm not I'm not dealing with uh Thugs. drunk white women at 9 30 at night on a fucking Saturday. Oh, your hair is so silly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. You must be really confident. Do you dating anyone? <laughs> where's where's, where's the, the owner pinball? with the beard? Where's the pinball machines? <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should do? Let's put this out there on the table. Let's put this on the table. Okay. Just have Roman stand in front of the we store don't during have Wine Walk. Pinball, which is great because pinball's stupid. Mm-hmm. What we should do is buy <laughs> one of those one-up arcade X-Men arcade stand-ups that are like $400. Mm. And then that way we would get to keep all of the money. It would be on brand <clears throat> and it's one of the best games of all time. And they and make it takes those. up a little bit less space. Much the yeah, about about as much space as yeah, our, our pinball machine. Do those take quarters for that version of the game? And I believe so. Have you priced it along with the riser because it's a two-thirds size cabinet, and so you either have to be five feet tall or have I think it's a two or three hundred dollar riser under it or build something oh, to lift it up to be. That's not ideal. What about height. stools? That's shit. Like poo. Yeah. Like st- <laughs> what about stools? You know. <laughs> like what about if you need to number two while you do your do? <laughs> I mean, you could build that into your home. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day, and I was like, yeah, that's a good call. Those things are cool. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable (laughs) podcast, episode 238. It's the Pacific Northwest premier pop culture podcast hosted by three people who love each other and run a comic book shop in Bellingham, Washington. Those three people today are Jeff. That one's me. I'm not Jeff. I'm Django. That's me. I'm not Django. I'm Colette. Me. That's her. Hey, Will Elmer says, happy episode 238. First off, hi, Colette. Secondly. What the? Hi, Will. Secondly, while I may have a 238 fact, amazing. Secondly, while I may have a 238 fact, Amazing Spider-Man 238 featured the debut of Hobgoblin, one of my favorites, Jeff. I've been thinking a lot about a few things from last week's podcast that I wanted to follow up on above all else. In my humble opinion, Chip Zdarsky, writer of Sad Comics, as well as the hilarious issue seven of Crossover, would be the perfect writer to take over the main Batman series. Thoughts? Your friend with lemon juice at arm's reach at all times will. P.S. The real thing that I can't stop thinking about is person that was wearing a disguise in the shop. Can you please provide more detail on your costume? Was there a monocle or a handlebar mustache involved? <laughs> I must know. I don't know what that's a reference to. Yeah, when like... I when I kicked the guy out for for being in the store. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I I totally tuned out. I was looking up numerology on two thirty eight, which shows you how much research really goes into this podcast. It just all <laughs> happens live on the air. What was the first thing? Uh, I do about think the Chip Zdars- He was saying Chip Zdarsky oh, would be Chip. really great because we were talking about the next like good writer for Batman, and I do think Chip Zdarsky would be a great one. I think Bendis would be a great one after that Batman universe mm-hmm. story he did. Um, I think Gene Lewin Yang would be great after the Batman Superman story that we read yeah. here. But Chip would be fantastic and it would be sad. I'd like a funny Chip Batman with... Uh, Chip don't write funny. He draw with, funny. But he'd do mm-hmm. sometime. And then poignant little sad bits. Yeah. Yeah. Captara was fantastic. We, Finally we coming did this, back. With, we did this last week on the podcast. It, okay. We went through his whole writing thing and he's written mm. like one or two <laughs> funny things, but pretty much yeah. everything he writes is sad. They're really funny, but he doesn't do it much. I would, I would love a funny Batman. Mm-hmm. Like Chip, we're concerned jokes. about you, bud. We want to make sure you're okay. I love him. But when I asked him to draw a jackalope from me, he looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> yeah. So he lost some points with me for that one. Yeah. Y'all should be <laughs> grateful that we're asking you to draw 
anything. Jackalopes okay? <laughs> are cool. Don't they tell sure me you aren't. have no idea how to begin to do that. No, he's off, he was very nice, and I got a great Susie commission from him. But those are like juggalo cantaloupes. Is that what a jackalope yep, is? Yep, exactly. Yeah. This week we're gonna be talking about some comic books. We're gonna be talking about some comic books, my friends. We're gonna talk about some comic books, and those comic books on this week's podcast are going to be in this order, not necessarily Dark Ages, uh, Pirate Queen. It's just called Pirate Queen, Monster Kill Squad. Talking about Wonder Girl because Colette's here and I fucking love her excitement for Joelle Jones. <laughs> We're talking about the Batman Superman annual. We're going to talk about Fear State Alpha. And I'm going to talk a bit about firepower. And we're going to see if anything else comes up. Anything else pops up, you know, like a bubble from underneath the water. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The big downside, however, everyone, is that I did say Dark Ages first because that seems like the biggest release of the week, right? It's, Outside of the so. Bad Idea books. Which we had somebody waiting at the store at five o'clock in the morning to get when we opened at 10 on Wednesday. Tenacity. Tenacity. <laughs> Dark Ages was, the, I think, the biggest release of the week. Um, it would be my pick of the week as a comic person who works at a shop. As the person on this podcast, however, it will not be my pick of the week because I'm going to do something that will not be rooted in trying to turn people on to good books because I've the, the other one's just too far in at this point. Dark Ages, but I read it in a bit of excitement and that was several days ago. So I've returned it to the shop at this point. Oh, what did I do? I don't um, know. Oh my God. Uh, you always respond to God. You, oh my God. Who? What? Me? Me? Um, what? Tom Taylor. And who is the artist on Dark Ages, my friends? Iban Coelho. 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 Uh, with Brian Reber on colors. Nice. I thought this was an amazing comic. I'm assuming it's not set in the main Marvel universe, but I'm not reading enough Spider-Man to know if Spider-Man and Mary Jane have a baby right now. There's too many things that aren't consistent with the main Marvel universe okay. throughout this. It can't. I, I, totally I assumed agree. that it did at first, but like four pages and I was like, this I think they be. know that Tom Taylor does his best work when he gets to do whatever the hell he wants. Unfettered. You know, like unfettered by continuity. Exactly. Um, Although his Nightwing book is good and that's in continuity. Yeah, I, I do think it's out of continuity. I do think, I guess Spider-Man doesn't have a daughter right now in continuity, but there was that like Renew Your Vows series where they did mm -hmm. have the daughter. So the basic idea here is that at some point, um, way, 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 way back in the past, um, the Living Tribunal trapped, I guess it was a 10 billion years ago, a living machine was created to protect the universe and stop entropy. He started getting weird and started unmaking everything. So the living tribunal trapped him in earth and he just woke up and he's messing around in the center of the earth and our heroes have to stop him. And uh, when they finally do, earth is just a shambles. And we're getting the story told to us by um, an aged Peter Parker, who's got the, uh, the good old Reed Richards temples. So remind me, do they go to a different Earth or do they stay on the same Earth, but they can't ever use electricity because there's like essentially they can't use any electricity anywhere. So it's like a steampunk type of thing. Yeah, a team is sent to the center <laughs> of the Earth to try and stop this being. And Doctor Strange opens up a portal to another dimension that's sending in a giant electromagnetic pulse, but he gets killed in the process of once it's open so it can't be closed so there's a constant emp hitting the earth okay there we from go from here on out and it's a like it sounded like it's like growing exponentially away from the earth too and affecting things and i love that idea yeah it's so cool 
and the, I love the, the idea of a steam-powered Iron Man. <laughs> the character design of the machine, too, the, the bad guy that they fight, he just looks like a super, like a bitch in Eternal. Yeah, like a, a bitch like, in I Celestial. I swear I'm not a Celestial, celestial yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although Django uh, and I went and saw Shang-Chi today and there was the final Shang Eternals Shang-Chi today <laughs> and the final Eternals trailer played. And when it did the, just a, the giant glory shot of a celestial and it was taking up the entire width of a movie theater screen, oh. Django made a sound that was pretty good. It's it's that kind of thing that makes me question my decisions about hating cosmic stories. Celestials are undeniably <laughs> cool. Like, yeah, I thought Django hated Celestials. I I love the way those guys look. Yeah, I've never... They're I, I, fucking cool. Yeah, I've, I've not heard disparaging comments about Celestials, but just the cosmic realm that they exist within. Mm -hmm. But this thing does look a lot like a Celestial in Dark Ages. I just, I think it's such an awesome, legitimate way to do a kind of steampunky thing. It's not like, this is a steampunk book, but it's like, oh, right, well, if, if there's no electricity, if there's a giant EMP, steam is a viable way to do it, but also Spider-Man doesn't need steam. But it's just like, cool, I love steampunk as an aesthetic, but I don't think that it's super often done in a really reasonable way. Well, it seems like this might be more too of a um, more streamlined, thoughtful, modern version of steampunk yeah. and not the mm -hmm. um, the like Ren Faire offshoot that <laughs> originally we were seeing. Um, not just a little less based on cool looks. Yeah, a little less top hats with gears and a little more actual like technological <laughs> But this is, let's, this is let's science steampunk rather than second. when goths dis discovered brown. Right? I do <laughs> I do know that Django is actually a pretty big fan of steampunk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I know, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I did my time in the steampunk mines and uh I don't I don't think anybody can say something bad about steampunk that I don't also agree with. It's cool. Unless I think they it's say really that cool. it doesn't look cool because it yeah. just looks cool. It does, I, yeah. Gears mm -hmm. are awesome. It's weird because steampunk is one of the few like styles that isn't really rooted in music. Like the style steampunk came around and then they had to figure out how to make music to fit it. And it's all like <laughs> fucking hurdy gurdies and uh, wooden accordions. Um, That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. There's that a wealth of conversation to come from that, but I don't think we should do it on our <laughs> podcast. But that well, whose podcast of... are we going to do it on? All right, I'll start another one. <laughs> Uh, Will and I are recording a podcast episode on Monday that's going to go into our feed, but that's Ooh. just teasing that right now. Is it um, the, the Fast and the Furious? Uh, it's called Ted Lasbros. Oh <laughs> no, actually, we haven't talked about a name, but that one's in my head, and I think it's a really bad name. But I also, um, uh, I haven't actually mentioned that to Will yet. Will, you're hearing that for the first time. How's that for a name? Although by the time we record that, you probably won't have heard this yet. So, um, can I tell you a couple of my favorite parts of this? Yeah, please do. The art was great. I just want to say, yeah. like, I thought it looked gorgeous. I didn't the, love the arts as really. Much. I'm just thinking about that giant celestial looking shot. Some of I, that I, stuff I liked, but some of the like character moments kind of got to me. I get Can a little you flash me some of it. I just can't picture. So okay. I get a little tired of, and I know that this is very, you know, it's pretty housey, but I do think game. some of the big stuff. Yeah. The big stuff look good. I just get tired of when you've got moments that mm. would work well as subtle, but you have a character has to be yelling it because it has to be big. Like when Jessica <laughs> makes the joke about, uh, or makes the comment about that. Um, I can't remember Peter's daughter's name, but that she could maybe stick her head in a, uh, a light socket being up on the ceiling that she's like, ah, about it. And I was like, that seems weird. Oh, read it as a, a calm moment. Like, mm. I don't know. She might stick her head in a light socket. What a 
investigate a lot of death. Like <laughs> those kind of things always yeah. kind of get under my skin, but I don't know. The big shots were good. The smaller stuff. I, I agree. I, I, my feeling was that it was positive. I don't have one with me is my problem, but um, I'm picturing like a, the big shot of the celestial looking thing, but in just looking at it, it does kind of remind me of like a Pepe La Raz, um, kind of like house of X kind of mouth. Uh, uh, Marvel housey, but I'll take a house of X style over a Marvel house style any day. Yeah. Oh yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. It's kind of becoming, I, I did remember Well, you just showed me that book though. The way that I read this book was at night with Sam next to me and she was looking at the pictures and I just read all of the text out loud with character voices. Um, and then she was in charge of reading all of the Mary Jane voices. Cause it starts with a fair amount of Mary Jane. Um, and it was so much fun to do that. Like it, it, it was a, she doesn't love superheroes very much at all. So she dug it. And like, and I think that's what Tom Taylor does really well is Mm -hmm. that he, you don't have to have read a bunch of stuff to enjoy it. And it's not Mm -hmm. super steeped. Like it's deceased or injustice or this or Nightwing. Like you can jump into his books and he can pack both heart and action and character work all together in a really wonderful package so you there's there's i'm gonna i'm gonna read something to you and i need to hear your voice for it it's yes the world is ending the earth has hours and it's said by the watcher i need to hear your watcher voice i I did a very yes the world is ending and we have hours like i did a very um (laughs) samuel jackson type of like a deep a deep one there for sure one of my favorite lines in here was when uh moon girl and devil dinosaur jump into action to go meet reed and the caption is the world's smartest person on her way to ba- the Baxter building to talk to the world's second smartest person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. I think Sam loved that bit too. Yeah. And also having like the the page turn cliffhanger of Peter looking for his daughter and MJ. And he says, oh my God. And it, and the caption is the world was dark. And then you turn and, and I was like, fuck, I guess he Tom just Taylor, killed him. He'll kill mm-hmm. a motherfucker. You got me. But actually the kid has saved all of them and she's yeah. lifting up the building. And uh, that, that, that was, uh, that was when I knew this was one of my favorite books of the week. <laughs> yeah. Our discussion has caused me to move this and firepower both up a 0.5. So um... nice. I'm, I was looking forward to hearing you guys talk about this. Cause I was very home hum about basically everything I read this week. And I had a feeling it was much more about me than the stuff <laughs> I was reading. So um, it- yeah. I, it's worth what, mentioning it was kind of a it was kind of a small slow week of comics. It's a fifth week. It is a fifth week. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, kind of a first week. Yeah. Wednesday was the first. Tuesday is the day they count. Oh. Yeah. Because oh. they're dicks. Because <laughs> comics, what the fuck? <laughs> well, um, I, and I I also want to firmly say at this point, um, my kind of Grant Morrison, Jonathan Hickman, trust it thing has kind of shifted to Tom King and Tom Taylor at this point. Like I, yeah. I really like the other two aren't putting out a ton of work and I feel a little bit betrayed by both of them a tiny bit right now. Um, and so I just have a lot of confidence based on his story time. So I'm going to give this one a 9.5. I, wow. I spoiler alert for fucking firepower, dude. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I really like a big Marvel event that isn't like like war of the realms like this is allowed to not have a thousand things it doesn't seem like the entire financial industry of marvel is based on this so i'm just very excited to see somebody who's kind of auteury do their own thing with characters i like without needing to be constrained by a lot of the monetary stuff that i think oftentimes makes uh marvel events pretty watered down yeah so we can probably 
we can probably count on a bunch of spinoffs, but no crossovers since it's not in the main universe. Are there even, is, is there any spinoffs or crossovers? I, I don't, I'm ordering things and I don't really, I can't, couldn't tell you any. Even better. Like, like Darkhold us... is coming out and I had to be like, is that from this? No, it's a different thing. Like, I don't, I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know. It might be, but I don't know that it is. I think Dark like Colette said tight. at the beginning, like there's a lot in this that means it couldn't be main continuities. I really liked how this one, um, so many like first issues of an event are just like, hey, we're going to give you a splash of this is going to be, and you're going to be wanting to know about these characters, like want to know more, but this is actually a, could almost be a one shot. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for the mm-hmm. fact that the end set up the future world that's coming out of this event, it was yeah. like a nice solid read in an issue and then the beginning of a bigger story. And I always enjoy that. And I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I'm, I'm with you. Eight and a half. I, I like, and I, I'm kind of in a spot where like, is an event, do we, would we consider deceased an event? Uh, no, I would consider deceased a bunch of miniseries. And I, I don't know. And I we think don't, an event has to have spinoffs or crossovers. We don't know for sure what the direction of this is because whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I kind if, of, if this goes I hope in the it's not an event. Deceased, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. If this is Marvel's deceased, cool. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Okay. Well, hey, do we want to go to our bad idea portion of the evening? That seems like yeah. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, jesus free. buddy this oh, is so good this oh, is why we do podcasts together <laughs> yeah, this is... you're welcome everyone <laughs> <laughs> the art in this was really something special i, I like thought. the art adam polina yeah or polina Poyina. probably polina okay so um both what what colette what did you think of pirate Queen? i i started off liking it and i liked it less the further in i got um, I don't know. The art was cool. I like a lady pirate story. I would say both of these bad idea books made me think that like, holy shit, bad idea is just Valiant comics. Like, that's hmm. all it is. It's the owners of Valiant for a while, taking all of the creators that worked for them at Valiant and using them hmm. on different books to try and create worlds and the, the backup story in Monster Kill Squad is like the origin for a character that maybe shows up in a different series. Or okay. I, I didn't know who it was, but Deep Fake. And it's the origin of Deep Fake, which is maybe one of the people in a different hmm. thing or maybe not at all. But it just to me is like you guys are like you're just doing exactly what you did at Valiant, which was a th- and 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 it feels particularly the thing that made me think that this week was that these books are very like 90s male comics they just remind Mm -hmm. me of like 90s comics which Mm -hmm. is both good and bad but like monster kill squad was like oh yeah these are the books i wouldn't have read in the 90s and pirate queen i think did start off really well but then it also then it like the the forced sex stuff and like the Mm -hmm. dead thing where did the badass pirate lady that we'd been shown go because all of a sudden she's like you know, she calculated her killing her former cat and all this stuff. And now all of a sudden she's like, I don't know. I guess I'll fuck him to save my husband. I've got to like, go fuck him. Even though, like you should have killed him while you were fucking him. I, yeah, that that was, was, yeah. And all of a sudden, oh, I ha- I'm having a baby. This is the most important thing. In the world. Like, yes, that does happen. But also you're like, a pirate motherfucker. Like, it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did like this book and I, the end of it, I was like, Oh, I want to read the second issue. Like I liked this one. I I did. I didn't particularly care for the next one very much, but 
Uh, and maybe a lot of that is the art in this. Like it was a gorgeous book and like, mm-hmm. you know, she was beautiful and it has is kind of um, kind of has a Milo Minara or like Guillaume March look to it, um, mm-hmm. which I, I dug quite a bit. But um, I actually liked the backup in this a lot. That was an unrelated thing. Um, just the like dude, like kind of the um, raised by wolves story, the person that goes down and has like the shelter that's built and they mine the thing and then a ship comes down, like they die. And then they, th- that was a cool story. But Pirate Queen, yeah, I, I like this thing as, as a whole, but I was just had this like kind of feeling because I was like, oh, it's just the Valiant guys who weren't the original Valiant guys, but kind of tried to carry that torch. And now they were just like, maybe we could just do our own version of Valiant. Uh, you're me in a hard spot. Here. Oh, what is it? I have to defend bad idea. And, and your you allegation love that it's just idea. the fucking Valiant guys. I fucking, <laughs> these guys make me, my head want to explode on a, almost a daily basis. But the, the big thing for me that separates this from Valiant is mm-hmm. that other than like backup stories in the bad idea books that turn into bigger issues. Like the hero trade became passive aggressive and like they they have some through lines and they did some other backups that did that. Yeah. These are almost all their own universes. And the weakest point for Valiant for me jumping into the new Valiant was that I didn't know if I was going to need to read Dead Drop in order to appreciate Exo Manor and, you know, on and on and on and on because Valiant is known for a a real tight universe. Yeah, I, Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I mean, they're Valiant in a slightly looser thing. You're totally yeah. right on the very strict example of like what Valiant was doing was we're going to have a very strict shared universe. But what I mean more is that Valiant was an attempt to kind of make their own brand outside mm-hmm. of main continuity of comics, yeah. have their own thing. And sometimes a story could be connected to other ones, but also maybe sometimes it didn't have to be. Maybe that yeah. wasn't how it was originally, but in that revamp when these guys took over, it was kind of like, here's this four issue thing that you can enjoy having never read anything else but these ones are more separate from that but it, it feels sort of like we're setting out on this thing to make our own ips and it's testro- testosterone and it's kind of it seems like maybe it's kind of trying to sell to those same people but 20 years later now like 10 hundred percent like it's target market yeah, yeah. so it it <clears throat> it i like a lot of them but i also think it's kind of transparent and it's like y'all kind of even just kept the same people that you did your whole valiant launch with like matt kent did most of that and matt kent is doing the lion's share of bad ideas you're firing me from valiant well i'm taking matt kent and going home and the artists (laughs) and like and just like the rip artists i think maybe did some of the exo stuff and like i don't know and it's I think did Milligan do stuff over there too? And I mean, everybody did something. And you all just make your connections and carry your people with you wherever you go. Like that's what musicians do. No, no shade, but. This is a side note, but if you haven't watched the reading rainbow valiant comics bit that they did, you you really need to Google uh, reading rainbow valiant comics and get a, a glimpse into behind the scene at valiant in the nineties. I'd love to quality and you talking about that jeff just totally made me think of the uh the vibe there and how <laughs> i loved 90s valiant i couldn't get behind the reboots yeah um i i actually really liked the pirate queen mostly the art i i agree that the the thing where she goes through with having sex with the bad guy instead of killing him in the sack like that that was weird to me that she, a pirate would trust this guy enough to to go through with that like and oh, then to have- like I got to go fall asleep, but it's like, no, you should probably make sure he's not going to kill your husband. Yeah. Yeah. That seems weird, but we're set up for, 
amazing revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a major character inconsistency for the sake of a plot. Yeah. And he didn't point. take the time to write the character to fit the plot that he needed it to have. It just do you, do you think that he's fridging the husband? Is that a comment on that? I think it's it still feels a little bit more like even like fridging the woman. I, it, 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 not exactly, but to me, it was still like, is this just a guy writing this? Like, I, I don't know. It felt a little like this feels like not progressive comic book storytelling from the 90s is, is what that yeah. whole thing like well now she's gonna have to have sex with this guy oh but you got fucked anyway he's gonna yeah. be mean to you and your husband dies and and maybe it's just it's a good that, revenge story but yeah it kind of reminds me of that whole like the beginning of the animated um killing joke where it's that mm-hmm. like dude who wants to write an empowered woman but doesn't actually quite get it, mm-hmm. but is just like, well, empowered women have sex by choice. And so if she's she's empowered, so she's going to choose to do this to protect and use her body for that, but not getting right where that is true and where it isn't. Um, I didn't dislike it. It just that was a very notable problem to me within it. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to go 8.5. I liked it quite a bit, but that one bit, was like it, I was like oh this feels like it's part of the problem just for right here for those couple of pages but I do think that like the art was gorgeous I cared a lot about her it made the bad guy despicable you know all of it was well told it just felt like is this a step backward oh I'm gonna go with an eight shit I liked it more than Django but I'm gonna bump it up to an 8.5 because I think the backup story is amazing I think yeah, that's th- I, I almost sent, part. I almost just walked my copy over to Justin after I read this, because it feels like profit to me. Yeah, it totally made me think about profit. Absolutely. Just just showing how you terraform a planet, basically, or or make a planet habitable for people. Raised by wolves, like they fall there and make the things come out. Like it's, it's a, that's a great couple of page thing. I loved it. Yeah, Yeah. that was my favorite part of the issue. And I liked the first step as well. Here comes the four. I didn't read the backup. Oh, Um, (laughs) you would like it just from your like love of alien and stuff. Yeah, I think I'll actually go back and read that. And, you know, the art was really great in this. Um, It was like still better than a lot of the comics out there. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Nice. Nice. Well, just just for I don't know why I'm saying this, because you know how (laughs) comics work, but all of the bad idea backups have been worth reading. That's not absolutely not the case with DC when they do backups. But this is the the first bad idea book I've actually read. So congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for me finally finding time to be able to be on here and have a reason to force myself to read one. Monster Kill Squad is Christos Gase, Tomas Giorello, and Diego Rodriguez. Let's do this on real quick, Django, because we went pretty hard on. Yeah. This one is very like, you know, yeah. it almost if you know feels like a spawn era, like you know, there's some very cool ideas in it. I like the way they talk about clowns, but it's basically just like here's our kind of meta psychic badass squad that hunts down monsters that are like real and cool, like psychic and clowns of, and shit. Every one of the monster kill squads character traits could fit on the back of a trading card. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the rule that they had when they wrote this. And valiant. And valiant, yeah. <laughs> um, and the art's real great too. Like it's bad idea can like I think the pirate queen's art was better, but bad idea has an ability to like the art always looks good, even if it's mm-hmm. kind of not that yeah. great art. Like I don't know if it's the coloring and the inking that kind of makes it all look kind of like there's a Claritin commercial peel over it, like it's all kind of. <laughs> 
<laughs> opaque and like uh really nice looking but i dug this one the yeah. backup in this was pretty good but it was just an origin for a character that seems like they're either in a different story or maybe nowhere or maybe in this story um but it was yeah. it was a little it was a little gunny and pouchy for me uh that's what i thought from the cover and from flipping through it uh christos gage though is one of my favorite writers from like the Wildstorm era. Okay. He wrote all my favorite Wildstorm books. And I really, as shallow as most of the characters that we meet in here are, I didn't really need them to be anything more than that. Right. And he did, to be fair, he did an amount of showing, not telling. And I love the conceit that these demons just present as clowns. What's mm -hmm. the big deal? Um, I, I thought that was awesome. And I thought that the backup was, was really solid too. Juan Jose Rip is, uh, an old uh, avatar creator for, uh, like he worked with, with Warren Ellis a lot um, on, on some of the cool avatar book. And I thought that, that I thought the backup was really well done too. So yeah, like I will grant you too many pouches and uh, uncarryable sized guns, but I thought it was really good. And I'm giving an eight. I thought it was very cool. And I do think you're totally right. I think he did a good job of showing and not telling. And actually, if I were going to like this more, I could have used even less character work. Like I didn't mm -hmm. really, I thought the, the ideas packaged in it were cool. Like mm -hmm. what demons are and how they're presenting and the ego of this clown and like the hierarchy of the way he feels within these kind of monsters and the different skills they have. That was all very cool. What I didn't really want to be, I was like, I don't care about this organization of people who are hunting these. Like that, I don't care <laughs> about. But I do, I like what they were doing and who they were hunting and the in the world of it. And I like Spawn, so I it it, it it's in there with that. So I would go seven point five. Like I thought it was good. Um, it, it you know a little pouchy and gunny and wordy for me to be like really like it, but I it, it's a good comic and I think it's a very good comic for people who like more actiony paramilitary stuff. Not to like throw the switch off the good idea rails to the bad idea rails for a moment, yeah. but I'm impressed that these guys are putting out three and four issue stories for the most part that feel like good, complete stories. Like I really, other than the lot, which I have a problem with the art, but I think the story is pretty awesome. I've really liked the stuff that they've put out See, and they say that they're quitting, but they're, they're definitely not quitting. They're, we're gonna, we're gonna see sequels to all of these. I have to say, you say it puts you in a bad position because you have to defend bad idea, but I know you love Bad Idea. You're just mad that they're the only people in a lunchroom that have a cool table that you haven't been invited to yet in your life. Man, I hope they, they invite me to the table. I want to flounce away like a... You want to like all of their books. You always, like, you've liked pretty much all of them. I really have. I, I know. Really have. And their publishing practices make me want to kill so I want to you see blood and veins and guts in my teeth yeah and listen they're eating a better lunch than all of us anyway they're eating good lunches over there not this hot lunch square pizza bullshit that the lunch people just put on my plate pizza's supposed to be a triangle okay it's not supposed to be a giant rectangle i hate hot lunch pizza i hate the way rectangles taste Jeff I hate the way rectangles taste <laughs> hey prove me wrong what's a good flavored rectangle uh, pizza. Lemon bars, brownies. Okay, pizza. well, I cut lemon bars and brownies into triangles, and pizza <laughs> okay. should not be. No, no, pizza is not rectangles. I mean, I agree, but I, I'm saying, don't, don't hate on Django, rectangles. Where are you eating rectangle pizza outside of schools? No, oh, anymore. Goat Mountain did it. You're Goat right. Mountain did it, and it was yeah, good. It was great. Yeah, it was real good. Like if Shit. you take a, if you take any pizza and cut it different, it still tastes good. Not I'm, school pizza, dude. I don't know. Is that even pizza? You're right. It's probably not. 
Jung, I'm sorry about the bad idea thing. It's just what it's been a joy to watch you bounce between. You have very complex feelings about. That I idea. really, I don't have very many conflicting feelings about things. I usually <laughs> make a decision and, and follow through with it. And I'm having a really hard time separating comic book fan Django from business owner Django. And because one of the, I, I'm like Two-Face. Uh, one of them wants to murder bad idea and everyone associated with them and anyone who ever says a good thing about them. And the other one just wants to read these pouchy gunny comics. And you like, it's, I know you hate them, but I also like every time one comes out, you're like, it was pretty good. I'm like, okay, so where are you where Dude, are you and every time i call them to scream at them i end up just wanting to eat rectangle pizza with them Django, can i just suggest something stop calling adam freeman no i just want to say maybe you should eat some appropriately cut pizza with them instead of rectangle pizza with mm. them maybe you should show up with some really fancy nice pizza or like you know show you? up with some lafiama and yeah. mm. just sit there and eat your delicious pizza and they can eat their uh their nasty rectangle pizza with whatever sanctimonious or cool kid attitude that they want to think that they're throwing yeah. around but they're gonna Our see your yummy pizza anyway. and they're gonna yeah. realize that they We're need to get over rectangle shit. pizza and theirs is like got quail egg on it <laughs> um and to be fair any egg that small freaks me out but eggs in general kind of freak me out wonder girl number three <laughs> joelle jones and a different artist as well yeah um, and i was shocked because i was like oh this looks like kind of rushed joelle jones but it's still joelle jones and it was not it's adriana Mello. And I think they did a pretty fantastic job of having somebody not be Joelle Jones match her style pretty well. Yeah, I she did the last one too. Um, Adriana Mello uh, with amazing Jordi Belair on colors. I I get that um, Joelle Jones can't meet the timeline requirements that she needs to with the way that her art is done and, and get twice a week well. twice a week for DC. Yeah, it's <laughs> eight issues a month. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't like the, the alternating. I, I mean, some of that's just because I fucking adore Joelle Jones's art. And the last one I was like, wow, this is sloppy art for her on this other Wonder Girl stuff. And then I realized it was a different artist. And I feel like I would rather have someone that was different enough mm. that I didn't feel the lack of quality drop between that's the two, point. as opposed to to this but almost like a strange adventures way of going about it rather than yeah okay. yeah something a little easier to transition without it being a a jarring dropping i don't know yeah that's sure no that's just a, that's fine a really... quality i just have such a inflated view of joelle jones that anything that isn't hers i'm like oh I, I was i was remember Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I was going from it from the standpoint of like, if she can't meet it, we should just try and pass it off like she is. And they did that pretty well. But you're mm -hmm. right. I think the better way to do it is just own the difference of it. There was, I can't remember who did in Catwoman. She had someone else who did like some, a lot of the action sequences and whatnot. And she had a couple different artists, but there was someone that was like, had very much her same feel, but it was different enough that it mm -hmm. wasn't, it didn't feel like all of a sudden something looked rushed. But, um, but anyway, Wonder Girl. Our beautiful and amazing Yara Floor, uh, after uh, getting the plane down or the plane landing safely, um, Eros is after her. I, I, I rushed through this issue. I'm sorry. I, uh, I kind of did too, but I haven't I'm read any of her stuff since Future State. So this is my least favorite issue of the run Ooh. so far. This one felt much more kind of it, it was the in between of of bigger notes of the story and i felt more lost i think 
with not knowing who a lot of these people are or their kind of character. I don't, I don't get, I don't know anything about the other wonder girl. I don't know anything about Artemis, mm. uh, but Artemis was a badass. And I mean, like I do like the way she's written. I do. I mean, I don't know much about those characters either outside of what I read from like the young justice Bendis stuff that had that wonder girl in it. But um, I did like kind of the conflicted nature that Artemis has with this young wonder girl throughout the whole mm-hmm. bit that they have. I, and I totally agree. I was like, this is sloppy Joel Jones, but it is, it's also not bad art. It's just not no. great Joel Jones art. But that final page of this issue is like, oh, God gorgeous. damn. Yeah. Just the, and the I, way that she splits the dress so the knee comes out there is just like, ah, it's that Joel Jones stuff. And I love the the different monsters in the in the jungle, this like serpent thing that's coming after her. And then the like creepy crocodile, almost bayou looking yeah. creature lady yeah. and um, Cajun. Yeah. Cajun character. Cajun. Mm-hmm. The occasion uh, down in down in Brazil. Yeah. I shouldn't have started off just shitting on this. I like, I liked it. I, I love this series so far. I'm, I'm sorry, people at home. I'm just in a negative pissy mood about hey, stuff. The entire but... world's in a negative pissy mood. We're all just in this boat with you. You're all, yeah. you're great. Don't, don't. And we, we get to see the, the cute little sprite character from future state finally showed up in this. So we're going to get to know more of her, whose name I can't remember right now, but uh, yeah. Having not been reading this book, I always love a reason to jump into a series that's kind of moving and not feel like I need to catch up to it. Um, mm-hmm. And Colette's love of Joel Jones was a great reason for me to do that. And I like the growth that Yara Flora has gone through, even from this and her future state book. Like she seems like she is kind of taking the mantle of responsibility more seriously. Whereas before she was like, she was, she's still fallible in this, but she was like kind of uh, flippant or something, but like before. And I don't know. Like I, well, this I, is I, the precursor to Is that. it really? Yeah, this is. So she, she seems this, less this is the, rude. This is the stuff. past state. Yeah. Oh, That's her wow. in the future when she is Wonder Woman. This is her becoming Wonder Girl. She just is some girl from the US who originally was born in Brazil, who's gone for a, a tour of Brazil to rediscover her roots and is now being home having all these powers start to kind of pop up and oh, everybody's wow. after her because she's some part of some prophecy that we don't really that know yet. Makes and more so, sense. <laughs> so this is her kind of like just girl on vacation and like, oh, shit's going wrong. Oh, but I got to help people and and her discovering her hero-ness. She's, um, she seems just like more consistent within this, whereas mm-hmm. the beginning stuff seemed like it just, I don't know, she kind of emotionally or morally jumped all over the place a little bit. Yeah. Whereas this, um, yeah, I... I like the character. I, I I was like, oh, I like where, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that maybe it's just the act of finding the voice of the character more a little bit. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I like it. I always think I was like, does Joel Jones write well? And I was like, well, yeah, I read some of her Catwoman stuff. And I remember how much Colette loved her Catwoman stuff. So like it's Lady Killer was amazing, too. Oh, and yeah. then of course, Lady Killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I forget that that was her coming out party. Yeah, she does really great moments too. Like the whole bit where she pulls the the weapon that the um the siren had given her and thinking like, oh, I've been able to do all these crazy things that I didn't know I could do, and I'm gonna use this thing I was just given, and then just kind of flops on the ground. And she's like, hey, um, never mind, I'm gonna go now. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was it's, cute. It was good. It's gorgeous. I like the character a lot. I would give it, you know, having not really known what's going on at all, 7.5. I think it's a good book. I think, and I, I think there's two ways that you can look at fill-in art. And I like the the light that Colette shined on that. I think they did a good job of passing it off as 
keeping the tone of Joel Jones, but I do think that um, maybe I would actually prefer just like owning that it's a different artist. So establishing a different tone when it's not the same, like the main person on a book. Yeah, I think I would, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven and a half too. I, there was more of the, the fill in art than the other ones that I just don't love. And I don't know, it feels like an in-between issue, yeah. totally solid, but like, worth it with the series just as an individual issue not as great before we go to batman superman annual i do just want to mention and before Django takes us through that and sort of ushers us like uh hades on the boat or what you know whatever there's a metaphor i don't really know mythology sharon sean sharon uh sharon sean i don't know what's going on what are you saying sharon's the the pilot on the river sticks oh i love it um I just want to say that Colette was going to be on last week. Then we had to record on a different day and it didn't work out. And Colette was going to surprise us all with having read Ice Cream Man 25. Uh, she had brought it home, was going to read it. I just thought that was an awesome story and she was going to surprise us. And that is a, a great fucking thing. Way to go, Colette. Uh, we would have been shocked. On, so I didn't read it. So And then we all would have been like, wait, you still haven't read Ice Cream? Like we would have all forgotten, which is the consistent thing that we do. But Django, did you read Batman Superman Annual 2021? I sure did. And I'll tell you what, I started with the side that had the barcode on it. Uh, and I don't know if that was the, the right move or not. I also started with that side. Okay. Because it was the Batman side. And I really like Batman. I started with that one because it was not the Frank Avia art. And I counted the pages before reading. It was like a 40 page issue. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read the half that has the less appealing mm -hmm. art. Mm -hmm. So that when I get to the second half, I'm going to love the art that's going on in it. So this is uh, it's a flip book style story written by Jean Luen Yang. Uh, one side has Paul Pelletier art. I'm just saying everybody is if they're well, like, yeah. French. Well, like, yeah. And uh, Francisco, how do you say his name in French? Jean. <laughs> Francisco Francovia on art. On the other side, um, I have not been reading this Jean Luen Yang Batman Superman Me neither. series because it was really good right out of the gate and maybe had a first appearance or for, for some reason, as soon as he took over, we started selling out. And so we haven't had enough for me to jump in and read them all. And I thought that this was awesome. Uh, they do a really good job of setting up the reason that we have Batman working in Metropolis with a soft James Gordon and a surviving Martha Wayne and all these alternate versions of, of Batman villains in Metropolis. And then on the other side, we've got uh, Superman uh, working in a super dark Gotham. And it's a flip book that the center, when you get to the center, you meet Batman meets Superman. And then when you read the other side, when you get to the center, Superman meets Batman. And uh, I, th I thought it was just really cool. And I like the I like the new characters that were created in here. And the Francovia art is always amazing. Um, I, I want that guy to color the, the biography of my life. <laughs> His coloring is uh, off the charts. I'm in the exact same boat with Django. I The first issue of Gene Luen Yang on this run, it was like, like 14 or 15 or 16 or something. And we just sold out like immediately. So I haven't had a chance to read this entire run that has been pretty lauded since that first issue. Like people love it. And we haven't been able to. So I was like the annual suite. I'm going to read that because annuals are generally unrelated to the stories that have been going on. And kind of unfortunately, this was pretty rooted in the story that's been going on. Not that you couldn't enjoy it. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job of explaining it. Both, both sides had an explanation, which I thought was a little weird and redundant. 
Yeah. Um, but I guess that means that you can start on either end. But there was several moments it was like, yeah, is an issue 16 through 21 or like this one was an issue 18. I was like, oh, OK, dang. I I was excited <laughs> I to them. read this because I thought it wouldn't it would be genuine Lang, Jean Lu and Yang, you know, doing it. and whatever. It just strengthens the argument that I need to read the other the actual series when it comes out. But um, everything that Django said, I totally agree with. I thought it was very good. I thought the Frank Avia stuff was a little rushed looking, kind of like his stuff was in Joker recently like an issue or two ago he did a joker issue and it was the same sort of like pretty chunky but also like Django said almost the coloring and the inking is maybe where his strongest his strengths are really i and thought it was better than the joker issue but definitely not up black to mirror. The, the yeah black mirror level yeah or blue black beetle did you ever read that no it was uh oh crime, yeah yeah yeah, yeah character that, that andy pushed real hard yeah, I do remember that standalone hardcover. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's great. It just makes me want to read the main thing more. So I it was gorgeous and I loved it, but I I was hoping for a little bit more standalone-ness of it. And that's not necessarily what it should be. So and it still did a good job of being standalone. I, I their whole like there is a weird cinema reel thing going on through all of these of mm-hmm. his stuff. Like it's all looks like the text bubbles and the scenes are on like weird, you know, cinema film. And I don't know what that aesthetic is or why they're doing it or what's going on, but it's it tells so... you on the first page, the mysterious observer.io and his Android archives oversee a collection of realities okay. and they're holding up film, reel. like film yeah. strips to yeah. watch these different realities. Yeah. You're totally right. I didn't put, that I think all it's together. a, I think it's a ridiculous reason, but I like the result, but the whole thing has this very silver age feel to it gene Lu and mm-hmm. yang is so good at like superman has the old shield um it's batman and robin like you know it feels like it's maybe adam west behind that mask possibly but not quite so cheesy but it's definitely adam west when robin drives the motorcycle and batman has to squeeze into the sidecar yeah, like, a, like yeah. a dipshit yeah it's i i actually sent justin that picture because he's such a batman nerd yeah <laughs> Yeah, I just I think that we are looking at another really great like kind of Superman smashes the clan style Gene Lu and Yang look at superheroes. And I, I just think he's fantastic at it. And I would love mm-hmm. for him to have the opportunity to do it more. I would love for him to have the opportunity to do kind of a singular character run on a thing for a while. Um, yeah. So well, he did uh, with uh, the new Superman, right? That's true. That's true. I just wish it was a character I knew a little bit better, but you're right that he totally yeah. did get to do that. Um, what's your score for it? If this was no, it's a seven and a half. There's no qualification. Okay. I think I'm not going to try to make a well. Richter scale joke or anything. Oh, you do uh, love that. Can I like, Get can it. I show you something that I just drew? Yeah. I know this isn't going to translate super well. I hate the way rectangles taste. Oh, wow. I made, I made a, a, it's a bass drum. The way re- I hate the way rect taste. It's, it's a bass drum. Joke. So either you played bass in uh that band i hate the way rectangles taste yeah, or that's your epitaph i was wondering if you were speed reading a comic or working on something over there and it's i was working on working on something over i was there. working on art this is art jeffrey <laughs> i love that and django if i die before you can you do some work to make sure my tombstone says that i hate the way rectangles taste i'll do what i can dude but you got a lot of other people who love you and uh but i got uh, triangles have my work tattooed all me. over my body like I, I clearly guess, hate the way rectangles taste. Also, in I don't know about Washington State, but in some states, this would be like a verbal contract. Right now, that would that I'm be recording this. 
yeah, obligated by honor law. bound and, and obligated by law to get in a fight with your mother about what your tombstone says. If I outlive my mother or sorry, if my mother outlives me, then yeah, defer to whatever she needs. But cause she's going to be bummed because we'll she likes me a lot. <laughs> um, OK, can we can we fear state? Can we fear state a little bit? I'm going to run to the gas station and buy more beer because no, <laughs> this was a long issue and I didn't read it. Oh, oh. but Colette, you read it. I and did. if I remember right, you didn't care about any comics this week. So I'm assuming that kind of extends to Batman Fear State. Oh, this might be the topper of thing that I leading up to this. I'm like, I'm going to have to give this a score. And like, I just don't fucking care about okay. this thing I read. So I've been kind of in and out of Batman. Uh, it, it's been like like I'm sharing Dippin' Dots with somebody, right? Or is is that right? Dip dipping dipping sticks. What's dip, the dip, oh oh fun you, you, fun dip fun dip dip fun. Yeah, dip dipping dots was that like the ice cream of the future that was all like the freeze dried. I'm ice thinking cream. about the the candy stick yeah. that you lick and then stick in fun just dip. sugar. Fun dip. I feel like I'm sharing a packet of fun dip with somebody because I'm only reading like every third or fourth issue of Batman right now, and so. I really appreciated the 40 page in-depth recap of what the fuck has happened in Batman lately. I thought that this did a really good job of, of kind of setting up what fear state, what you need to know in order to read fear state. And it so. basically explained what future state was. If you don't give a shit about reading fear state to learn the journey of, you just know, Oh, this is what led to fear state okay. for Batman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like specifically for the Batman part of future state. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was a great previously on issue and uh, I appreciate having that because now I don't feel quite as intimidated thinking about the fact that I might read a bunch of fear state. That said, it was a lot of words and a lot of characters. I don't know a lot of people I don't care about. And uh, Jimmy TIV, I really like your independent stuff. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I gave up on Batman quite a while ago after multiple issues of just being angry by the Look end at me, of it. my name's Colette. I'm all smart and shit. <laughs> <Fuck off. laughs> I quit Batman and Django kept trying to read it sometimes. I try to read it sometimes too, and it always frustrates me and I get angry at myself for being angry at the book. <laughs> Welcome I... to bad idea, Jeffrey. <laughs> oh man, I just want to sit at Jimmy T's lunch table. Oh God. That would be a boring ass mayonnaise filled lunch table. This didn't make me angry the way the last thing that Tinian did in the Batman world that I read, which was punchline, which made was like one of the few things I've actively hated. Um, but um, like, yeah, I got all caught up on everything. I feel like I know who all these characters that everybody went crazy needing to buy the first appearance of was, mm -hmm. and I have an idea of what's going on in this story. And it wasn't like a aggravating way to find out all that, but mm -hmm. I was, I just found out that I, I am okay not reading anymore. Cause I just didn't care about any of these plots. It's the spot where being a podcaster and being a comic store employee makes finding what you're doing really difficult yeah. for me because I don't like being negative about anything because I just think that if you're being negative about something, it means you're being lazy. It's just kind of, that's my ideology coming from music specifically, but, but I am okay not reading Jimmy TIV's Batman, but I also want to admit that I I'm going into that 
with some like weird biased baggage that like I do still feel like they did this instead of letting Tom King finish his stuff. And I think that this is so not the Batman I like, but Tom King, they canned him because so many people were not into his Batman run. So and a lot of people do like us really like this run. Right. So I I don't want to encourage people to not read it because of my thinking, but I've got, and also Colette's got some meeting Jimmy TIV baggage that makes her kind of not like the dude, which I'm Uh, into. Like whatever on that. Like there's plenty of people that I fuck rude people met and I I didn't really like, but I'll still read their shit because it's good. And I like, I don't, I think part of why I stopped trying to read any of his Batman was because I actively didn't like it, but I don't want to have, like, I don't begrudge anybody for liking it. And I didn't want to be subjecting myself to something that I didn't like and then building more of a resentment that might spill over onto other people liking Mm -hmm. it because that's not at all what it's about. And this was like, I don't know, maybe it was good, like, I don't have an opinion because it's just definitely not for me. This story, these characters are just not the kind of thing that I enjoy. And And cool, free, great for all the people that are loving it. Not me. But but I and I'm I'm in the Colette boat. But I also think there are people like Django who have just been reading Batman forever. Like you just read Batman, whether it's good or bad. Right. Like he's Batman. Like, Justin, you just mentioned like. He's a Batman nerd. Like I've been reading Batman since 1989, man. Exactly. Like, and I am somebody who like dips in and out of things based on creators I like. And if I don't, like, I I never was around a comic shop, so I never really had the opportunity to be able to be reading things for a long period of time. And I think that like in the grand scheme of Batman things, like Jimmy TV's run is not even in the bottom half of how bad Batman has been. But it's it's below what I want to like. I, I try to read as many comics a week as I can. And so, and from that perspective, it's not quite worth it for me. Andrew, cut that out. What's he doing? Andrew, is, he, stop. is he, is he picking his toenails or something? He's picking his, he's picking his ear a little bit. I didn't read um, this. So it's, that's why I just realized I don't actually need to have anything to say about this or keeping it. If you want, I don't know. It's up to you, Andrew. You're the I, yeah. I, it's, it, this is a hard one to score because I think it does a really good job of recapping, but I don't care. I still don't really care that much. And I feel like somebody asked me what I thought about it in the store. And I said something really clever, but I've forgotten it because I don't <laughs> listen to what I say. I have sure, this. I'm sure I wanted to read it. Incredibly clever, Django. I, I, your memory I thought of so. the moment is perfect. I thought so. I, I think, think I'm this, often clever. Cool. I think if this art was a little bit more impressive, I would have read it because I brought it home to mm-hmm. read. But it, it is an art style that seems mm-hmm. like kind of rough and unfinished and very like there's a lot of people standing in rooms talking in this. Which so the art style was my biggest barrier to reading this. Frankly. And the art is it looks like penciled, not inked. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. right. I didn't and then color, right. which I didn't even think sometimes about works really well. But um, and and honestly, kind of like uh, who, bad idea. The Thor guy that you like so much. Yeah, bad Doudermin? idea. What's up, <laughs> Doudermin? No, the other Thor one. The other Isad uh, Ribic. Isad Ribic. Yeah, it is. Has that, that yeah. same yeah, kind of feel right. to me. You're like totally right. I penciled really well. Yeah. And now you will color. You're totally yeah. right. And the colors are even not everywhere, but it seems like the colors are even trying to look like color pencil instead mm-hmm. of ink. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give it a six and a half. And I'm also maybe mysteriously going to say that it's got me ready to read the next couple of future state books. Uh, sorry. Fear state books. Um, I'm going to 
I guess I'm gonna give it I don't I don't really don't know what to give this thing uh I'm gonna give it a six I'm pulling that out of my ass and it, it did make me not feel like what I mean it just ties back to a conversation we had earlier today. yeah yeah anyway. three of us and Andrew will enjoy that yes um <laughs> I can do that now. Uh, there's so many times where like you see a crossover event and you read the the first part of it and you're like, oh, well, shit, this affects the story I have been loving. And like, oh, OK, I'm fine with reading the whatever Nightwing is going to be tied into this for the next while. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not not looking forward to that. This is going on. In DC. OK, can I can I present something that Andrew might want to cut out? Yes, but I also just want to say before we go into that. I will spend probably years unpacking my baggage about this Tenyon run run. So I just, I want, I want people who are listening to take the objectivity and take it out of the window. I want to, I want to make sure that people don't think I think I'm being objective when I'm talking about him, but please Django waste our time. This is related. This is very okay, related. Good. Um, I've seen two news articles this week from Leading cool, which means I've only se- I've seen the headlines of two news articles because I hate the way that their website jumps around when I try to fucking read it on my oh, fucking fucking so phone. Fuckers. So bad. Not just them, but yeah, a lot of them, a lot of articles in the internet. Your UI could use some work, dickheads. Yeah. Anyway, the ti- the two titles that I saw, one was that Tinian Tinian Jimmy Tiv James Tinian jumps <laughs> planned on killing the Joker at the end of Joker War, and planned on sending Batman away from Gotham before 3 or 5G. And I don't know why he didn't do those things. I can only assume, not having read the articles that uh, (laughs) Rich Johnson probably typoed all himself, I can only assume that it was editorial choices to not let him do those things. And I wonder if he had been given the amount of leeway that he has on his independent stuff, which I tend to really like, even his all ages independent stuff is like, that's books that Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. bring home and read. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we would really like a Batman that he was writing the way he wants to do it. Huh? Maybe. I don't think I like him. I would like it if he killed the Joker. If if he had do you, I, if the I, Joker I read that. War had been six issues and the Joker died at the end and Batman went into a depressive spiral and left Gotham, they can reset that shit whenever they want. But if they had done that, I might have really respected where he was coming from. I could have maybe respected where he's coming from, but I've yet to read a main continuity book that he's written that I've enjoyed reading. So, but are every... the editors writing it? No. But I hate and... the dialogue of his character. Yeah, like exactly. All not of just that. The st- it's not the story for me. It's the character work and how they interplay it's... with each Thank other you. that I just can't get behind. He's like laborious to read all of the time for me. There's always someone hmm. that feels like it's just a mouthpiece for pretentious. You know, I'm getting more negative than I should be. Yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Django, I, I don't I don't think that that's what the changes in 5G were about. I, I don't think that they said you couldn't do stuff. I think that they decided to not do the overarching thing, which was we're not going to clear all of the old characters and make room for new characters. That was what Dan Didio wanted to do. They were going to oh. get rid of all the main characters. So they would have <laughs> sent Batman away to do that so that somebody could have replaced him. They did that with Superman. That's kind of what they're still doing with Superman. That's the Yara Flora stuff. Like 5G was going to clear all of the old and, characters to make room for a next generation. And I like what they're doing with Superman. I, I would like too. to know why they're doing it, but but I like the idea that Superman's leaving and leaving John with the legacy. But we got to read the future state stuff that they were going to do with that. 
and it was good. We read the future state stuff of the Batman stuff and it was not torrent torrent. So yeah, it, it's a good point. I don't think that the editors are restraining him that much because of the number of fucking characters he's created because it's going to make them money. Like they've seemed to be letting him do whatever the fuck he wants. Hey guys, I want to kill the Joker. Or what if we gave him his own mini series? <laughs> that would have sold them a lot of comics if they were yeah. going to kill the Joker. Yeah. Like they would like that from a money standpoint only makes sense. Batman um, wouldn't have his best friend Alfred or his worst friend the Joker anymore. I'm gonna talk about Firepower 14 quickly. I think it was 14. And I just want to say that was my perfect 10 of the week. And I don't talk about this book every issue because it's a book that I think at 14 issues in, you're either reading it or you're not. And I almost made Dark Ages my staff pick of the week at the comic shop this week because from, I think, a working at a store perspective and trying to turn people on to things, that's a really good thing to have done because I thought that was a great book. 9.5 is what I gave it on the podcast. But I did make it firepower even still because at 14 issues in i think that that's still early enough for people to get on board if they want to get on board i think it's right there in the line of like a nightwing style book um it balances character work emotional beats and action like perfectly that kind of like trilogy of thing um it does really really well uh, and sometimes they're kind of action filled issues and I like those less, but sometimes they're like very focused on the interpersonal relationships of the characters. And this was one of those. And it was my second favorite issue, I think, so far. Um, I think issue four, three or four, maybe had a really poignant sort of conversation between the protagonists and his wife about this previous relationship. And then this was dealing with that still again. And I love it. I love the voice of these characters. I love the way they interact with one another. And as I was reading it, I got to the end of it and I was like, I got to count the pages on this because it felt like this was like a double sized issue. And it wasn't. It was just like a really perfectly utilized 21 page comic. Like it didn't feel like it dragged at any point. I didn't turn to a page and say like, wow, that was there's a lot of text on this page. It was just that like by the time I finished it, I was like, that was like I went through a really positive journey with the characters myself. I just think it was a really, really great issue. I wish I had it in front of me right now, but it was one of my first issues I read. I brought it back to the store, but it was it was great. And I think that we went and saw Shang-Chi today and I don't love Kung Fu stories that much. And I liked that movie quite a bit, but- um, Reason history would argue with your assessment of how much you like Kung Fu stories, but- I agree. Mm-hmm. And it's because that this firepower story is like, do I like zombie stories? Not really, but I like The Walking Dead. Did I like, I mean, like, oh, well, I like superhero stories, but like, everything Kirkman does, that was an invincible idea. Everything Kirkman does is like a genre mashup with the genre that is Kirkman. And <laughs> and the the kung fu-edness of it, it balances really well with the Kirkman-ness of it. So I just, I gave that a 10. I, it was the most enjoyment I got out of a comic this week. And I think that if people haven't been reading it, I think you could start at issue number one and get three issues in and really dig it or you can start at the prequel graphic novel and like it even more but i i would encourage if you haven't read firepower at this point check it out especially if you like books that deal with relationships which kirkman does really well if we look at invincible and walking dead so 10 10 10 anything else anybody other books want to do a thing that i just did selfishly i i could tell you that uh we we have a customer joe jeffrey Mm. and he brought a comic in for us the other day that his friend made i don't know if his friend is uh demi macheris or casey silver but the comic's called chickaloonies 
and I haven't read it yet. It's from 80% Studios, and it's an all-ages Alaskan tribal adventure about legends, language, magic, and the journey of discovering one's own story in our ever-changing world, is what the back of the cover says. Hmm. And... I flipped through it when I got it home. A lot of times when people are like, hey, my friend makes a comic, I'm gonna bring you a copy. I'll flip through it and I'll be like, I'm glad that they made a comic. But this one looks really professional. It, it the, the art is really well done. It, it looks like a real comic, which self-published stuff doesn't always look like a, like a professional comic. And this and is really cool. Joe's a big fan of manga and like Dragon Ball. And mm-hmm. there's a really, from the cover that you just showed, and I didn't hear about this, but that's super cool that this exists. But it's got a kind of uh, Western manga vibe that looks really good. Everything Django's saying, the art looks fantastic. Yeah. But it, it has a kind of anime manga vibe to it that I'm very into. And it makes sense yeah. that Joe would be into it because he's a big fan of manga. Some of the art is a little like like simplified Stoko almost. I'm yeah. I'm excited to sit down and, and spend some time with this. That yeah, rules. I want to check it out when you're done with it. It looks Ch- great. Chickalooney's C-H-I-C-K-A-L-O-O-N-I-E-S, 80% Studios. Cool stuff. Colette, give me one. Gi- you give me one. I did Firepower. Django did that. You, you give me your uh... underwhelmed, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to be too negative review of the week because whether you're negative or positive, people just want to hear your voice. The thing that I actually maybe was the most engaged with this oh, week, yeah. other than probably Dark Ages, uh, was this is I was very surprised. Almost American that yeah. came out this week, number one by um Ron Mars and Marco Castellio. And uh I mean I kept waiting for like the action thing to happen during it don't don't expect like a the the floor to drop out in the middle of this but it's expect immigration drama (laughs) yeah apparently it's it's based on the story or like it's a couple who's actually working with these writers about their experience defecting as russian spies and it's just them uh waiting in the dominican republic or heading to the u.s consulate and trying to start the defection process and it Hmm. follows them kind of just briefly getting to the u.s and it i don't know i'm curious to read more because it wasn't like much really went on in this i mean stuff happens there's definitely a plot but it was compelling hmm. i was really it's, surprised it's aftershock right yeah yeah i read it too and i had i had exactly the same feelings i was like this was a good comic and i don't nothing really exciting happened like i almost wanted it to be a double-sized issue so we could get yes. to the, the issue two cliffhanger mm-hmm. hmm. yeah because you don't really know what the story is gonna be based on this issue leading forward but it was it was really well done the the art was much more solid than i like it's not just serviceable it's actually like solid art and yeah i i i was pleasantly surprised that this i i found so engaging and was more uh yeah more actively read than pretty much anything else this week i think i would read five issues of those people not killing anybody and just trying (laughs) to fit into suburban america how many pouches late 80s like zero pouches how many how how, tell me about the guns that they were using no no walter walter ppks or anything no no guns wait 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 a minute wait a minute there was an evening gown and a diamond necklace at one point and and a, a tux but yeah, it's, it's good. I was I was very surprised that I liked it as much as I did, especially like the cover just seems like a graphic design. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's not a super compelling 
comic book cover, but like it's a white good or something. Yeah, yeah. red, white, and blue, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, yeah, like good expressive faces, and you know, it, yeah. I'm, I, I'm right I'm, there with you, Colette. I think people should grab the copies we've got because that was well, it's got that some specky some buzz, recognition. I think, because yeah, we were getting we were getting some orders for it from out of state, so a little bit of specky B. Specky B. <laughs> Gosh, you guys, 238. I don't know if you know, but. I still haven't gotten very good at figuring out where to put voicemails after that really perfect Will Elmer intro email, but we do have say, a, an email. Well, okay. Ooh. Hang on. Okay. Mm. Hang on. Like, give it a beat. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, let's put them here-ish. Like, like sometime Wait, no, no, between no, no, no. now I, and the end. I think, I don't, I don't think now okay. is quite right. I think we need to think, take a breath. Hey, I've got a Not question. Now. How and about now? Now. <laughs> I've got a somewhat extensive question oh, this week. Oh, shit, it's extensive. Um, it's something I talk about with Will a lot. And Love Will. Honestly, Love I just think about it a lot because of the nature of the comics medium. And it it's about the naming of characters and kind of the creation of characters. And, I mean, it's, it's a big topic, so I don't even know how to start necessarily. But things I'm thinking of are, like, why... Or how was it more, like, how is it more, it sounds a little aggressive, how is it more acceptable for, like, Lee and Kirby and really, like, any writer or artist in the 40s through the 70s, when they were building the DC and the Marvel Universe, um, they, obviously, they just kind of threw shit at a wall and saw what stuck, um, and that's what kind of built up our our extensive history of supervillains and rogues galleries, et cetera. Um, but like with the plethora of recent additions and new characters that constantly get added, like where does the line get drawn for you personally between like kind of a, just a dumb character or one that's a little more like kind of an homage to some aspect of some history or does that kind of help play into what makes you like a character more? Um, like Jimmy TIV, we always joke about he's making new characters like the Hinchmeister and Ghostmaker, and um, obviously he's throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. And like personally, I really like Miracle Molly. I thought um, that character was really well written when she showed up, and I'm vi- I was it was the best part for me of the Jimmy TIV run that I read. I read 100, 100 to one ten, I think, so about eleven issues, and. Um, Miracle Molly was probably my, like, the conversation started with her were my favorite. But, you know, I'm also reading, like, Jim Valentino's Guardians of the Galaxy run from the 90s, and so much of it is, like, he's just throwing shit at the wall. I mean, it feels very Lee and Kirby-esque, like, homage to it. He has everything, like, laboriously lettered by John Costanza and erroneous, erroneously edited. Like, he's he's got, every issue has, like, some exaggerated Stan Lee-type alliteration and um, focus on who the writers and inkers and artists and everything are. Um, and I really like it kind of adds to the experience for me when he brings up someone like sidestep or mind scan where they've got dumb fucking names and just basic powers and really dumb outfits. But I'm, I'm a little okay with it because it feels so much like an homage. So I guess, yeah, if I, if I boiled down the question, like where does the line get drawn for you between like a cool new character or, um, just one that feels like a throwaway um, that doesn't feel super important. Yeah, I, it's kind of a lengthy question and one you might have to think about for a bit, but I hope you can get some good conversation out of it. Uh, thanks as always for the wonderful work you're doing. 
Have a good one, guys. Well, it's your funeral, Andrew. I was going to say, if we go off on a tangent here, it's just your time that we're eating with our mouths. Uh, I would thank you, Andrew, for the wonderful work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, as always, have a very quick response, and I bet both of you have thoughtful responses. Um, I would love to jump in. Is that cool? I, I dare you. I double dog dare you to just jump in. So I think for me, it comes down to like a, a pretty subjective, abstract idea, which is, and I, you know, ju- this is the thing that Justin and I would talk about often, or I think that just he and I would think about similarly, which is like, I think that there's several sides of the argument you can fall on about trying to assess someone's intentionality with art. Like, what is their intention with art? But I think that their intention, and so that's what a lot of it comes back to. What is the intention? Why is somebody doing that? What does it seem like they're doing? And like you were just saying, Andrew, like homage or homage to somebody. Um, so like my immediate thought was like, if Donnie Cates wanted to say some crazy dumb character name, I would be on board with it because everything that Donnie Cates seems to have done has been paying homage to this kind of Kirby and Lee over the top love for the original nature of comic books. You mean like black silver surfer? Yeah. Like contradicts itself in three words. Exactly. (laughs) Which is what, you know? Yeah. But but I mean, it's they're all these like reaching for the stars concepts, whereas like when I but that's that's looking at not the character that's looking at Donny Kate's body of work. His body of work has like we've described on the podcast over and over again. It's just like somebody who loves to be playing in the sandbox and standing on the, sh- the shoulders of giants and doing a thing like it feels like to me when his I read a Donny Kate's book, it feels like it's from the same tributary as these Lee and Kirby stories. When I look at like a Jimmy TIV book, it doesn't feel like that to me. He doesn't feel like when I read his books, he's like kind of writing a love letter to the history of the comics that have come before it. It feels like he's kind of writing property machine. I don't even want to be that negative, but part of me, sure. But like, it feels more like I want to make my mark on this kind of like, Mm -hmm. I want to make these characters and I want to be like, and maybe that's not what he's doing, but I like Grant Morrison. He writes some like bonkers ass dumb named characters, but it all seems to be. And from his interviews, from their interviews and everything, it's been this like really clear, cohesive, like love letter to the history of comic books. Alan Moore does the same thing. Uh, Mark Wade, um, even Bendis, I think in creating characters is still sort of like reveling in the, the kind of love of the imagination that a lot of like you're describing, they're just throwing shit at the walls. Because I think at that point, it was just like the love of rev- like of imagination. And I think the f- more that we are going down this metaphorical stream, like we're kind of honoring, we're riding the wave of these things that have been done before us. So you have at any given point, a chance to either continue riding that wave or try and depart from that wave and create your own kind of tributary idea. So for me, I, th- I think that, I take stupidness with much more of a a loving grain of salt when it seems like it's paying deference to that which came before it. To bring up Jimmy TV, which has been a big part of this episode, I don't get a lot of deference for comic books in his writing. He doesn't seem, and when I read his stuff, it doesn't feel like it's a love letter to that which came before it. It just seems like, and just isn't even the right word to put it, but it seems like something that he's exploring with his own creative energies. Um, Al Ewing is somebody that I think really leans into that which came before it. Um, I want to bring, I want try want to think of another person that's not Jimmy TIV that I kind of put in that same category of like kind of creating a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't stick, but feels like they're kind of doing it for the sake of just doing it. Well, what but, if we talked about somebody who 
writes a story and doesn't seem to really create characters like Tom King. He created a couple characters at the beginning of his Batman run, but he's done a whole, he did, he did 80 issues of Batman without creating anybody really after that. But right? like, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So then the question is, how do we judge new creation? And I feel like Tom King doesn't feel the need to new create. He's still relishing and celebrating that which came before it. But Colette, he's going to ruin something. Adam Strange without any new characters for you. But he's he's not like, <laughs> look at this new thing I did. You know, like you know, I I always get stuck in my craw that I saw a quote from Tinian that said, "I want to make comics better." And that always kind of sits bad in the back of my head when I see. I'm glad I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> all of the new Do characters he's creating and everything. See, yeah, even I, better, motherfucker. I took a screenshot of it and sent it to <laughs> Will with a. I drew in a carrot and I put in sell better. Yeah, that <laughs> that's good. a good point. You but, uh, done that to me. Um, but I feel to me it feels always like I. I'm totally down with the throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, like having fun with it. Just like, I don't know, this is an idea and this is an idea because when those come through and you can tell that they're just kind of like, I don't know, I'm trying stuff. Cool. And when someone writes a character that is thought out and has a backstory and feels like they're there because someone thought of someone whose story they wanted to tell. Or that it was someone who seems interesting or new or has a purpose for, for being there beyond being new. But the ones that get to me is when it feels like the people that are the throwing something at a wall being treated like it's someone that has a backstory and being elevated to someone that was created because there was vision. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, I as I said, I stopped reading Tinian's run, but it like with with Andrew's talk about Miracle Molly, my guess is that there's a lot of care that there's some characters within that run that he's creating because he actually has inspiration and vision for creating a character and a storyline. And then there's a lot of others that are like, well, I can throw in a new person there and a new person there. And, you know, that shit's selling really well if I add a new person in here. So let's mm -hmm. put out an issue that has seven new characters and that'll get me to the point where I can write this character that I'm actually interested in. And that's what gets to me. I don't care if you have fun with it and create some batshit weird <laughs> powers and whatnot. Play around, see what works. That's kind of the power of art. But don't pretend like you're making the Mona Lisa when you're making, making a barrel-chested pouch, pouch cover. And, and exactly to that to that <clears throat> point of just like go and roll around in the dirt and have fun and assume that if it's good, someone else will pick up on it. But you mm -hmm. don't need to do all of that work. Like all right clown hunter don't say he sent an email to all retailers like this is going to be a really big character in this issue and i want you all to order a lot of it he did that with clown hunter okay cool we got that batman secret files issue that didn't sell well that's in our you know like <laughs> cool thanks dude like again like the peacemaker clown hunter you buy the copies we can't Meister. sell like it's 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 just like, okay, you can't do it that much and make me trust you at all. But like, but I do think that like, you know, I think a difference is like Morrison will be like, here's a character like Professor Pig for five issues and then dip out. And it was such a good thing that it made other people want to tell that story. Whereas, yeah. Or look like, like Null. Like, yeah. Aaron mm -hmm. created this idea. He had this idea. He threw it out there because it was in his head. Seemed like it added to the story. And then Donnie Cates came back and made it this huge fucking right. thing that's so important. And, you know, Aaron didn't go out there like, oh, I created this really right. brilliant thing and I'm just going to throw it out here and look at me. I'm brilliant. It, it, 
I don't know. He just and made I, little I'm, hooks for other creators exactly. to grab yeah. onto. It yeah, seems like it's more benevolent than, hey, look at this thing I did. It, it's the sake of creating and telling story and having fun with it. And I think we're harping on Tinian just because he's at the top of our head right now. But there's plenty of others right. writers out there that make right. stories and characters that it's like, why am I supposed to care about this person other than that you're telling me that I'm supposed to care about them? They don't. Tinian like just it. had a run for like seven months yeah. where for like seven months he had like six issues where oh, it, was, yeah. he, it was it was insane. What was the issue that he and seven new characters were introduced? It was, I don't know. Yeah. That was what burned me out on the whole thing but okay. Django's got an idea can I can we zoom out for a second yeah Ooh, yes please I'm sorry Andrew just cut this shit <laughs> just cut what I'm about to say because this is probably a bunch of bullshit leave it in Andrew leave it in no it's long that way but cut before you cut Django cut me oh god and me. before you cut mean. Jeff cut me <laughs> oh how you like that conundrum what's your idea Django okay so let's zoom out a little bit and if you think about when Kirby and Stan Lee and even even like when all those characters were being created, they're being created in a media vacuum, basically. And now if someone farts funny, Bleeding Cool is going to report on it, right? Or if someone wants to sell a Batman book a little bit better, they're going to send all retailers an email saying that Clown Hunter is going to be the biggest thing ever. Which you did. I, uh, I wonder, would we have the same baggage about Jimmy TIV and would we like Al Ewing as much if we were getting these comics in a vacuum devoid of any of the meta bullshit so like we as retailers get an extra layer up right so like I already hate bad idea before I sit down and get swayed by the comic book itself and I'm like oh this is actually a good comic what if we didn't have all that meta stuff yeah I, I agree retailers and as readers because readers have a constant barrage of who tweeted something shitty a year ago who tweeted something shitty today what yeah. is Al Ewing and and Bennett's relationship at this very moment like I, t I totally agree I think if there was a vacuum it would mean that the choices were up to the readership more than they are now Mm -hmm. Like it, it would say, I think the writers would have to to base their stories on what seemed like it was successful based on the public. Whereas right now, it seems like they're telling comic publishers and therefore the public, hey, go to your shop early this day because this character is going to show up. Mm -hmm. And that's what upsets me is that it's it doesn't feel like it's up to the consumer or up to the quality of the art it's up to the editorial and the writer to say this is happening but i don't think donnie cates i think donnie cates is the opposite of tinian mm -hmm. he hasn't done that ever he hasn't said hey you want to buy this because this is going to be this huge thing he writes a story and then his own story 12 issues later he builds on a thing that he seeded earlier and it makes it cool and therefore it makes that thing valuable because it was scarce but what you're doing, Jimmy, by telling an infinite number of stores to order a fuckload of an issue is making it not scarce and making it not feel important and make it feel like a thing that no one needs. But the grandfather of comics and the reason, like, like him or not, the reason that the comic industry is where it is now, Stan Lee, what if he was coming up on the scene right now? He would be pitching in a similar way. The difference is that Stan Lee existed at a time where comics hadn't become valuable yet. 
Mm-hmm. So there was no awareness that these things were going to be valuable. So yes, right. Stan Lee is a great salesman, but Stan Lee couldn't exist today the way that Stan Lee existed because Stan Lee could only exist as the progenitor of an idea. And so the conversation we're having is, are you paying homage to something? Is it a new, like all of this He's is a based pitchman on this- for story. Yeah. yeah, he was a pitchman for characters that people would be engaged with and like and want, not this is something that you should have because it's an investment or exactly because mm-hmm. of any reason other than like, yes, he was a giant. I'm making this stuff to sell. I'm making this because people are going to want it. But it had to be read for that to happen. Read on That's, the immediate. Yeah. Like, there was no like 30 years from now, this is going to be, because if that had, then they would have kept copies of Amazing Fantasy 15 around. <laughs> Good it's luck editing great, that, Andrew. It's a great yeah. question, Andrew. And Look uh-huh. what you've brought upon yourself. And, <laughs> and, weep. and I, I love it. Yeah, get that down to an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a great question. And it's one that is not without baggage, you know, and not without my own personal baggage of like looking at, the intention of art. And I think that an important thing is being able to separate the artist and the attention and look at the art itself. And, you know, am I able to do that? No. Do I want to do that? No, but fuck it. I got to pee now. And it's 238 episodes in, um, Colette clean, clean this thing up and send us out. Oh, well, thanks for having me and letting me be all poopy and negative about everything tonight. This is your Um, podcast too. Well, thanks so much for joining us for, uh, Two, uh, I already forgot the 238. number. Two thirty-eight. Two thirty-eight. We love having you here, listening to us. Remember to uh, put a little rating on us if you feel oh, so shit. inclined. She's doing it, it always seriously. Helps us out. Uh, like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Hit the notification thing. Uh huh. Yeah, all that shit. Whatever. Just you know, do something to help us if you want us to feel like we want to keep no we'll always keep going what fuck that we get to hang out and talk and you guys for some reason want to listen to it and we love you all for it i've been colette thank you so much for listening django's django jeff's jeff whatever i'm I'm (laughs) jeff and and all i can think about is what the fuck is going i'm looking at django over here and i'm like that man is fucking processing something so i'm jeff like what is going on over there i mean i'm what did i do okay yeah i'm django obviously obviously I was uh, okay. I was just wondering. What are you thinking about? I listened to a podcast the other day, and it was the, the guy did a whole season on country music, and then at the very end of the season, he kind of apologetically did a pitch for why you should sign up for his Patreon. Hmm. And I was, I don't think we need to do a Patreon. I don't right. think that our three listeners would would <sighs> make it worth setting up the Patreon. They might, um, but I would rather I would give this away. <laughs> Yeah. The way that we are now. But my question is, if we did a Patreon, God. what would you want your bonus content to be? Oh my God, that's such a good question. God oh. damn it, Django. It's been months of this bit and you're finally pooping gems. And by gems, <laughs> I mean gems. Trying to embrace... The, Those kind of the, feel the, like the... razor blades coming out. Oh, <laughs> that was another joke just for Andrew. We'll Content see you all creators. next week for 239. Colette, thank you so much for joining us. We're so wonderful. We'll see you all next week. Hey. Hey.